Welcome to Keeping It Marian. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. Together we are two Marian priests who, with Mary, ponder the Word of God in our daily events. Today we're going to discuss, and continue to discuss, the letter of St. Jude. We're going to inch through the next three verses. What do you want to talk about today with that, Tim? Well, with these three verses, we get to talk about one of my favorite parts of Jude is the confrontation of uh, Michael and the devil. But in between those, or on either side, rather, of that verse, we deal with uh, the people who do not act as St. Michael did uh, in regard to the devil. So we have somewhat of a, a sandwich here today, we could say. So verses 8, 9, and 10, and we go by the verses because St. Jude is such a short letter that there's really no chapters. That's so right. <laughs> that's the only way you can identify. So. We're going to talk about dreamers in verse 8, and then St. Michael and his example in verse 9, and then those who act according to their instinct, the revilers, and wind up destroying themselves. It can sound a bit grim at times because this letter can be a bit uh, serious, we could say. Sure. Uh, but there's some serious stuff that St. Jude wants to address uh, so that we can stay on the path to salvation. So do you want to go ahead and read? Yeah, I'm going to read from the RSV because I just like the, the sound of that translation a little bit better, but we have both that and the New American available to us. So starting with verse 8. Yet in like manner, these men and their dreamings defile the flesh, reject authority, and revile the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses... He did not presume to pronounce a reviling judgment upon him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men vile what they do not understand, and by those things that they do not know by instinct, as irrational animals do, they are destroyed. Wow. Yeah, that sounds even heavier than I just said. <laughs> but let's start with verse 8 here. So, dreamers isn't always a negative thing. We sure. have St. Joseph who yep. received dreams to protect the child Jesus. Back in the Genesis. Well, I'm oh, talking about oh, yeah, St. Joseph. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the original yeah. St. Joseph, the dreamer. Yes. Or, well, Old Testament St. Joseph. Yeah. So there's definitely positive things about dreams because yeah. God can yep. communicate through dreams. But clearly here St. Jude is a, a, bit, a little negative, let's say. That's right. Dreamers. That's right. Those who basically create kind of a sort of fantasy, as it were. Yes. Uh, a world that doesn't really exist. Sure. And I just have to say that even though there's nothing wrong with like AI in itself or anything like that, but we are on the cusp of a generation of people where technology can almost make fantasy seem reality. That's right. Uh, and that is a real danger where you can live in this meta world as if it were reality and it's only a dream. Sure. And Again, in itself, there's nothing yeah, totally yeah. wrong with it, but people are becoming more and more disconnected with harsh reality, you know, with the wood right here, you know, that we can touch with our own body. Right. Because uh, we are body-soul composites. It's got to be real, not just uh, in our minds. So St. Jude's point here is, you know, these dreamers who proclaim to have something to teach and yet are really only teaching what they imagine in their own minds, what yeah. is the product of their own interior. Uh, and that is a concern that we see in the lives of the saints. You know, St. Faustina, for instance, in her diary dealt with this. She, she told the Lord, like, uh, if this isn't real, you know, <laughs> correct me or, or take this away because right. she didn't want to be deceived. Uh, 
And it's something that in our lives is a good kind of caution uh, because we can easily start to kind of believe certain things. And as St. Paul said, we shouldn't quench the spirit of prophecy, mm-hmm. the spirit who speaks to us, but we need to test it, he did say. We need to discern well to know what is truth. I don't know if you wanted to add to that, Tim. Or No, I mean, it's. Uh, I think when you mentioned artificial intelligence or AI, I mean, uh, I think it was a very apt uh, kind of example because, well, it's in the name, it's artificial. It's not right. grounded in reality. And the last verse here, you know, where it's talking about, you know, um, being destroyed uh, because what they know by nature, um, like they're, they're, well, rejecting what's, you know, given to given to them rather, you know, uh, by their nature, they're, they're trying to make up in a sense, uh, their nature, instead of being made or accepting how they've been made in God's image, they want to remake themselves in their own image, do it their own way. And it also makes me think of, you know, Socrates, you know, my mind went there as well, where you have uh, philosophers who are really keen on trying to discover the truth by looking at the world around them. Then you had uh, what we call the sophists, who kind of threw up their hands saying, well, we just can't know this truth thing. Let's just, let's just use this philosophy for our own personal gain or for political gain or what have you. Um, And, and those, those two things in contention are well alive today yeah. where you do have those people who really discern or, or seek to discern what is God's will and other people who might seek to simply use religion again for their own personal gain or for a political movement or what have you. And so mm-hmm. uh, it really requires a, a great humility, uh, a docility. You mentioned Faustina, which is funny because I was going to bring her up later on anyways. <laughs> um, but all the saints, uh, they, they, they really reflect Jesus's humility and docility to God the Father. And of course, this is needed in every age that we're in. Yeah, and one of the, the commentaries mentioned how, you know, instead of leading people, so it's referring to the, the teachers here, instead of leading people according to the truth, they lead people according to their own designs, their own lights, their own kind of ideas. And we see that so often. That's your point about the sophists, you know, kind of throw your hand up and say, well, is there a truth anyway? It's yeah. all just opinion, right. which is basically what people kind of surrender to. It's all relative. There's nothing solid. Right. Uh, it's all just kind of my dream, your dream interpretation of reality. And we see that that tears society apart Yeah. because well, what's real then? How do we even communicate? Sure. You know? Which even the position itself is ironic in so far as saying that there is no truth is a statement of absolute truth. statement you right. know yeah yeah so nobody actually believes these things they don't right. act in accord <laughs> to these things because uh as i've also like to say like the fact that we use language um has this underpinning of a reality where we expect to be understood so to be understood is to say, well, there's something, you know, at root to talk about. Exactly. And so, and we just don't think about this because, of course, that's another thing that we won't get off on that tangent. But the, one of the ta- tactics of the evil one is to, well, get us to not think that, in general. Yeah. You know, he just wants us all on emotion. And um, anyways, we see as in a moment, uh, you know, that's not, you know, how St. Michael goes about it. Nor right. is it how the other, not that they're detached from emotions, but that they are. Um, in line, properly harmonize with the will of God. Right, which gets back to the truth. Truth has to provide order. You know, people often think of the word justice as a negative thing, like punitive justice. Sure. But, you know, God's justice is preserving 
harmony and order and beauty in the world, that there's a proper distinction between water and land, for instance, in the beginning of Genesis. But uh, so to go back to this, this dreamer concept before we continue on to verse nine is, so we have your people who live as it were in kind of a hall of mirrors. They don't live in reality as it is, but kind of as they want it to be, which is ultimately what pride is, no? Like, sure. I don't like reality as it is. I want it to be the way I want it to be. Uh, and, you know, there is this idea like to follow your dream. Mm. And, and that's not like a bad thing in right. itself. And as much as like St. John Paul II in Theology of the Body talks about like the deep desires of our hearts are, you know, the natural law, yeah. you know, what, what God implanted in us. But there can also be this negative thing in American society. You know, the Supreme Court in 1990 said like the, the idea of freedom means you can construct your own universe basically. Mm. So it's a scary idea because, again, it, it lacks reality. It's That's just, right. you know, in my own mind. And the way we can tell in a Christian sense, you know, a dreamer from someone who's teaching according to Christ's truth is, so how does it show up? They defile the flesh, which, you know, is Semitic language. So Hebrew language, though this is written in Greek, uh, but it's a Hebrew way of basically saying, you know, sexual license, right. uh, which, you know, we don't have to add too much commentary is, sure. you know everywhere in the world today yeah. um, because it wants to create a world apart from God's design. You know? And God's design for human sexuality is a beautiful plan, but it is a demanding plan Yes, because it's one that doesn't give place only to egotism and personal pleasure without openness you know, to life. So these teachers, these dreamers, one sign is that they defile the flesh, so sexual immorality. Uh, they scorn lordship. So they rebel against authority. And we saw that in the examples that came before in our previous episodes, yep. uh, the examples of this rebellion against authority. And we see that, man, everywhere. Everywhere. Um, Outside the church, inside the church. Yeah. In families. You know, it's just, yeah. And I mean, even the, the word authority, you know, and, and perhaps we've mentioned this previously, but I'm always um, enamored or or are mar I marvel at how so many words get a, there's a negative connotation. So you say authority and people kind of bristle. Right. You know, and it's like, well, you you need authority. You, right. you need hierarchy. These aren't bad things, but people want to say, oh, patriarchy. And it's like, well, you know, yes, there's fathers. There's also matriarchy. There's mothers. You know, they, you know, anyways, you know, we can get into the, the weeds about that. But things like hierarchy and authority, those yeah. are good things that in order for, uh, any society to work harmoniously, that there there needs to be expectations, that, and, and they right. need to be commonly understood. If everybody's just making it up as they go along, then then you have the chaos. You have the everyone's right. frustrated with one another because they're not playing by the same rules. You know, so I mean, imagine a World Cup in soccer without rules. Right? How would you figure out That's who's right. winning, who's losing, no. what a goal is? I mean. Here's the thing, people understand when it comes to sports and they get upset if the ref, for instance, doesn't call that's something right. that's clearly a foul. That was wrong. Right. But when it comes to, you know, our personal desires, then well, all, all bets are off. You know, sure. who, who are you to impose authority or impose rules? Yeah. And this gets to something from Friedrich Nietzsche. So he was the German philosopher, an atheist. And he said, to your point about like even communication, he said, you know, if you're really an atheist, you got to get rid of language. You got to get rid of all order, all law. Says because all this points to God ultimately. He understood, and he said, "You can't be an atheist and then still use language, still have government, still right. have, because then basically you're saying, well, I don't want God, but I still want everything that's based on Him.' Sure. Which gets to how inescapable it is. Yeah. 
God does exist. I mean, you, you can't have life in the world without some order. Right. Uh, the last thing before we move on. So revile glorious beings. So the Greek here is literally the glories, uh, referring to these angelic beings, whether it's the good angels or good angels and bad angels. Mm. We're not quite sure this gets into some of the perhaps more confusing part of the text. Sure. And we can kind of take a stab to understand it from a moral point of view. So what Jude literally meant, maybe that's a question I'll ask him when uh, hopefully I get to heaven. Because <laughs> um, the scriptures do have some things, you know, that sure. we don't know for sure. But it seems like these are people who revile the law and the Old Testament traditions that the law was given through mediation of the angels. And that's why the law given by Christ is even higher because it was given through the Son. It wasn't given through angels. So the, the law that Moses received was given through the angels on Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. And these people are reviling the law, so they're rebellious, and they're reviling even the, the angels through which it was given. How they did that, we don't know for sure. Right. Um, but St. Irenaeus and uh, St. Epiphanius, the first, uh, second and third centuries, they comment that they're actually Gnostics who uh, invoked these angels for li their licentious behavior, for sexual immorality, mm. uh, which, yeah, sounds pretty bad. I mean, I, I right. can't imagine invoking a saint uh, to witness sin, you know, especially sexual immorality. But apparently this was a, a practice. So mm. Jude is hinting at some strange behaviors. Here. Sure. So these are three ways that it, it shows up when people are dreamers uh, in terms of not living by the truth and living in Christian yeah. Christian ideals. And, and not to delay too far, uh, so I definitely want to get to to Michael, but as you're speaking, I know that you're, you've studied a lot of psychology, and, and oftentimes what, what comes to mind or one of the things that I think about a lot is coping mechanisms. Yep. You know, like life is hard. Mm -hmm. Life is really hard. And the longer I've been in religious community, and of course, you know, now recently ordained as a priest, um, the more and more I just cannot imagine life without full dependence on mm -hmm. God and His grace. Yeah. But I can imagine, I can not imagine, I can think back to my life before He was concretely, so to speak, intimately uh, woven in my daily, my day to day. And, you know, I, I've oftentimes, you know, kind of shaken my head thinking of the past and, and I tell God, thank God for coping mechanisms, that I have a great amount of sympathy for people who fall into these various categories yeah. because it's almost like God has written into our nature, like, just keep fighting, keep mm -hmm. surviving. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important, too, simply as and it'll dovetail into, um, you know, Michael's example, St. Michael's example of, of not condemning, you know, with reviling judgment. But anyways, yeah. um, do you have anything to add to that about, you know, coping and, and yeah. the kind of mercy that we should have with other people who right. are struggling with these things? Yeah, so coping mechanisms, uh, from what I've understood in psychology, refer to those defense behaviors that worked at one point in people's lives, but no longer work now. So uh, something that as a kid, you know, if you didn't know how to react if mom and dad are fighting and you go to your room and you shut down emotionally, well, that was necessary perhaps at that time because, well, you didn't know what to do. No one teaches you. You're too young to understand. Right. But then if you're an adult and someone is arguing and you have to go shut down in your room, uh, you know, you'd say, well, that's a little out of place because right. now you've grown up. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing, even sin can be a sort of coping mechanism right. of 
well, I don't know how to deal with this. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to, mm-hmm. and not even like we're consciously thinking, that's that, right. You know, sin's going to help this. But there is this automatic trigger yeah. to then go do something to make me feel better. So it could be alcohol, could be drugs, could be even sexual immorality. Right. Um, and that's where it's true that we can't look at other people, and this will bring us to, we'll transition to verse nine now, yeah. you know to a reviling judgment mm-hmm. of, of these people. Mm-hmm. And Jude, notice, he, he's condemning primarily uh, their actions and, and the way that they teach. He's not saying, well, these people are just, you know, hellbound right. in the sense of like, well, I know they're going to hell. But he is saying they're, they're hellbound in this sense, like this path does lead to destruction, which is right. the, the next verse. So he's warning, but he's not trying to just put people in a box. Yeah. You know, uh, and so that's where St. Michael comes in in terms of, his prudence. Yeah. So why well, don't, I'm going to reread verse yes. nine. Uh, so I'm using a different translation. I got the N-A-B-R-E. So a little bit different. Yet with, yet the archangel Michael, when he argued with the devil in a dispute over the body of Moses, did not venture to pronounce a reviling judgment upon him, but said, may the Lord rebuke you. Okay. There's a lot packed in there. There is. And, but I, I just, you know, and we say this all the time when we pray the St. Michael prayer. And it's one of those, so many prayers that we are, we have so like automatic. I don't think we really chew on the beauty of the mm-hmm. the text that's been written out for us by the, the church. But, you know, it, it says, you know, may may God rebuke him. Right. We humbly pray. Not saying, my, like we're praying for protection right. from Michael. And why? Because, well, it goes back to, mm-hmm. to this because it's his example. Right. You know, and I think there can, it's understandable that when we're attacked by the evil one, you know, or by his minions, that we just want to grab the sword and start hacking and slashing. Yes, but it's that's a that's a moment of pride in a sense. It's like mm-hmm. it's not our, it's God's prerogative. Yes, it's not ours, right? You know, we're still creatures, and the yes. devil is still way more powerful than us. And I think that we, it starts off in justice, mm-hmm. but it very quickly devolves, and we then find ourselves in the arena of the evil one. Right. Where he's like, aha, gotcha. Like, you've done what I've done. Now you're in my arena. Yes. You know, and so we really, and, and that's what I want to bring up with St. Faustina, because one of my absolute favorite passages, and my gosh, I could go through every paragraph and find a favorite passage, but there's the account where these dogs show up to yep. her in the convent, and they they declare to her, like, you've taken many souls from us because of your, you know, your prayers, and we're here to devour you. And in, instead of her cowering, instead of her running or or even trying to beat them off with a stick or anything like that, she just simply looks at them and it's like, well, if that's the will of the Lord, then go ahead and devour me. I'm sure I deserve it. You know, and of course, they just like start howling and, and they're like, flee. He is with her. You know, and they right. run. And I'm like, that's it. Right. This is this is the disposition that every Christian needs to have. I know we watch our Rambo movies. I know we watch all these, you know, it's, it's especially for men. Like we, and we yes. are fighters, but we always have to remember that Christ shows us how to fight. Right. You know, and he does it with this as his weapon. Right. And it's not manly in a sense, but it is manly. It's the no. most manly thing. Anyways, I, I just get really pumped up about these types of verses and everything. And so that's good. Yeah. No, I mean, we could almost have a, a bonus episode just on that aspect because uh, I have a wonderful spiritual father who's a deacon and has worked for 15 plus years in serious exorcisms. He actually just sent me some uh, things yesterday to ask for prayers in a very severe case. And he comments how 
one of the things Satan wants to do in exorcisms is tempt you to respond to him, to fight mm -hmm. him directly. Mm -hmm. uh, and he always insisted to me, so he's taught me well. He said, that's the whole point. Don't respond to yeah. him because you're not to play on his field. He doesn't determine when or how you're supposed to fight. And it is true that as men especially, you know, we want the sword with Michael. And we forget the whole story that the church fathers say about St. Michael is he defeated Satan how? His name, who was like unto God, as an act of humility. Yeah. And that it's precisely his humility that defeats Satan. Not that he's just stronger than Satan and so overpowers him in this battle. Because that's actually not a good way to understand exorcism uh, or the spiritual combat, as if we've got to overpower Satan. Whatever it becomes a power match, you know, there's a meme yeah. I saw of like Jesus, <laughs> you know, with his arm, you know, yeah. uh, in an arm wrestling match with Satan. Right. I'm like that I get the point. Yeah. But that's such a horrible theology behind that. Sure. Because Jesus, like you point out, he died on the cross. He he was the warrior who refused to fight directly. Yeah. And we see here that you know, Saint Michael, who clearly knows he's victorious over Satan. You know, in Revelation, we hear about him throwing Satan out of heaven, not heaven of the saints, but the realm of the heavens. Yeah. Um, you know, so St. Michael's aware of his authority. It's not like he's sheepish. Right. Kind of like, uh, you know, I'm scared of Satan. <laughs> you know, he, he's fully aware of 100%. his capacity, but he's aware that it's God through him. It's not like St. Michael, like, I got this. Yep. I'll know how to do this and take care of him. It's, you know, St. Michael knowing it is God through, much like St. Faustina, you know? She prays to the Lord, mm. and it is through her prayer that then Satan runs away because right. Satan sees God is within her, mm -hmm. and he's afraid of God in her. He's not afraid of Faustina just because of right. Faustina. Um, and we have here St. Michael's humility. You know, So he didn't venture to pronounce a reviling judgment upon Satan, but rather may the Lord rebuke you. And that's a real act of humility and trust. Why? Because... There are so many times I know, like, if Satan's prowling, use St. Peter's language in his letter, you know, what do we want to do? We want to, like, rope him up, kick him out, and, you know, take care of him. Mm -hmm. And so many times we can ask, like, Lord, how long? Again, in the book of Revelation, the saints ask this, yeah. you know, from beneath the altar where they've been slaughtered, uh, where their bones are. It's, uh, origin of our tradition in Catholic Church right. having bones of the saints at the altars. But we can so often ask, Lord, how long, like? Come on, like do something, divine Satan. Like kick him out, you know, do something. But it's waiting on the Lord and not just doing it ourselves. Because so often we can see evil, we can want to take care of it. And there's a real truth here. If St. Michael yeah. allow the Lord to rebuke him rather than do it himself, how much humility and patience we need to have too. Because Jesus will rout Satan, but not just by taking up the sword and, you know, showing who's boss. But like you said, at the cross, where his obedience and his humility defeat Satan's rebellion. Because again, the whole theme here is what? It's rebellion as the sin yeah. and sexual immorality and many things. And it's our humble obedience that will ultimately rebuke Satan yeah. and make him flee from our lives. Yeah, our, our call or our cause now is to rebel against the first rebels. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, they I want to be a rebel. It's like, well, you can be a rebel, but this is how you do it, you know, is... Uh, so <clears throat> I'm wondering if you're thinking what I'm thinking right now. I don't know. I probably not. Because... Oh, come on. You just said a quote. You just said a quote from G.K. Chesterton. Oh, did I? You did. Did I? You're the G.K. Chesterton. I right am. Here. I don't know which one you're talking about. He said this society, this generation, of course, this is 100 years ago now, mm. you know, 
wants to be a rebel. Yeah. You know, we should be a rebel against society. We yeah, need yeah, to be yeah. unique. And he says, what's more unique now than being Christian? Sure. Than actually practicing the virtues and that's being right. honest. That's right. Says, that's the irony. If you yeah. want to be a rebel today. Yeah, he says the virtues are, are like now they have the thrill of a vice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised. I, I came out with a G.K. Chesterton quote before you. There you go. But we'll leave that to the side. Yeah. So uh, let's go to verse 10. Okay. Why don't you reread? Uh, well, using the same translation you were just using, uh, verse 10 says, But these people revile what they do not understand and are destroyed by what they know by nature like irrational animals. Oh, that can sound a bit confusing because... There's a lot that Jude is trying to put in there in a few words. Is there anything you want to throw in before I well, make I, my commentary? I, again, like, it it seems as though, well, we've touched on already, that when he talks about irrational animals, like, they, they are destroyed by what they know by nature like irrational animals. That is, they're only acting according to their base right. nature, their, right. their animal instincts, if you will. Um, we wouldn't say, you know, that a bear that that you know kills another animal, like you murderous bear, how dare you? No, it's it's acting in a <laughs> it's acting in according to its to its nature, you know. Um, it's it's yeah, the, the dogs, you know, the dogs do dog things, cats do cat things, and we might yell at them, like chastise them, but we're not doing it in the same way we would do with another human being. Yes, a human being that has the gift of of reason. Yeah, um, and What's being pointed out here, the way I read it, are are these are the people who have kind of thrown off the reason, so to speak. Yes. Um, that's why, you know, getting yes. drunk is such a horrible sin because you're hurting that point. You're, you're, you're uh, lessening or diminishing, rather, is the word I'm looking for, that way in which we're created in the image of God. Yes. Yeah. That, we're, that we're able to ponder these higher truths, that we're able to communicate with actual language, not just with like, you know, yeah. A very base language, but something that that really taps into the most deepest, profound things, like the virtues, like religion, like you know, topics like love and faith and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's what's being warned about here. The way I read it, how do you read? Yeah, it? no, very similar. But I, I want to ask: can I can I throw a fifteen second funny story from my life about this? Go for it. I, I used to watch PBS as a kid from okay. Houston Channel Eight, and yep. you know, I'd always watch like when the lions are running after the gazelles, and I was so happy to see like the lion get the gazelle. Uh-huh. And then I realized later that sometimes when I share the family members, like you know, some of my sister, my sister, or right, other right. that I know, of course, their reaction was like, "Oh, that's no. horrible." <laughs> I totally get it. Yes. Anyway, that's beside the point. But it made me think of that. <laughs> so. Uh, it is true. So these teachers are trying to get at. So if I interpret them in the best light possible. So right. Aquinas says, like, people who sin, they're trying to find something good. That's right. But doing it the wrong way. Right. You know, no one wakes up, like, literally wanting evil for its own That's sake. right. I want to be a bad person. It's always evil under the appearance of good. So there's something good they're looking for. And what are they looking for here? I would argue freedom. Mm. But what happens is they're reducing freedom not to the spiritual freedom of the sons of God, trained by the law, given through the angels, given by Christ. They want the freedom just to act by instinct. Act according to, you know what, I just want to eat, I want to drink, I want to have uh, sexual activity as I desire it, because that's what I, my flesh, my heart desires yep. on a natural level. And if you tell me no, well, that's imposing on me, and that's crushing my human nature. That's I, right. I have 
the the right to do kind of whatever. This gets back to the dreamers part. You know, like, yeah. I construct my world by my laws and by my rules, and who are you to tell me otherwise? And St. Thomas Aquinas, he talks about instincts in his theology, but he says that the Holy Spirit's gifts are spiritual instincts. And so he says, like, when grace comes to its fullness in our hearts, like Our Lady, what happens? The Holy Spirit transforms our deepest instincts and helps heal and elevate them to direct them to God. Yeah. So that he, as St. Paul says, is truly all in all. And then we no longer live in a dream. We live in the best of all realities, which is that God completely satisfies right. all our longings, all our desires, <clears throat> everything we could possibly hope for. And so what Jude is saying is what these people promise is a horribly false substitute. Yeah. That they live by this nature of irrational animals, presuming they'll find happiness. Mm -hmm. Well, if I could just have enough pleasure, have enough yep. of this. And I mean, we might think like, well, that's not too common today, or like people don't think of this, except hmm. when you have to look at only a few ads on TV. Sure. You know, you just had to go to this island and have yeah. this resort and that's this right. vacation yep. or this car, and you'll find the bliss already in this life, which ultimately is like people want to get back to Eden, which I get it. Sure. Life is not easy. Yeah. We weren't made to suffer like we are. And people are constantly trying to find that freedom we lost in Adam and Eve. You know, that freedom of true peace and happiness. But we can't go back there without the cross. We can't go back there without humble submission sure. to the will of God, like Jesus shows right. at the cross. And that's what these teachers are trying to avoid. And that's what a lot of Christians, if we're honest, all of us as sinners, sure. you know, Satan's temptations didn't work on Jesus in the desert yeah. to divert him from the cross. But oh boy, they work for us. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, who wakes up saying, you know what? I do want to carry my cross. I just, you know, I'm sure the saints do, but right. you know, we're all on that path trying trying to get there. Uh, and so that's the, his message is that we need to be careful. We need to be very careful about where we find happiness. Yeah. And to not revile things we don't understand. And you know, that could be a whole different talk, but I just want to say this that so often. In the world today, we opine about things we really don't know. That's right. Um, you know, I, it's almost humorous, but it's honestly sad. This yeah. was, I think, back in 2012. Uh, and I know this is a kind of a political thing, but it's not about this particular issue. It was just the, the radio interview. This person asked, you know, what's the difference? You know, do you support Obamacare? And this person sure. said, like, no, no, no. I said, do you, do you support Affordable Care Act? Well, yes. Yeah. You know, well, can you explain the difference? And of course, the person couldn't. Yeah. And the point being, we're asking these people to opine about things they don't understand. And I'm not insulting, you know, sure. this person. It's just that there's this idea that we should know all sorts of things. We don't. Right. We only have so much time in the day. And a lot of people have, you know, food to put on the table and all these types of things. It's difficult to be abreast of all the various situations right. that go on. And it takes a lot of trust. And Sadly, it's true. There are a lot of people who are in positions of power um, who misuse that trust right. that is given to them. Um, but, I mean, there, there really is uh, no greater endeavor than to, to really get back to basics and, and understand, you know, how to, you know, you don't have to think about everything. Just think about something. Right. In a, in a very typical, you know, uh, uh, simple manner, you know, kind of do cause like, 
well, if this is the case, then then this, and if that, then this. Like we don't even do, do it that far. I, I love the game of chess. I'm horrible at it, but I love the game because it it forces you, if you want to play it at least a little bit well, right, to think moves ahead, right. And and we've lost that ability, um, in large part, you know, that we might think these things, but like, okay, well, we take away this law. Well, what logically is going right. to, you know, happen from there, or if I go ahead and allow these types of things or this philosophy to become my new way of living, well, what is that going to lead to, right? Right. You know, these are the things that we need to, again, use that God-given gift uh, to reason, you know, to, yeah. to think abstractly. Um, absolutely. And, then, and only through that, that will, you know, lead to happiness. Yeah. You know, as coming definitely as, you know, people, you know, if they recall from past episodes, you know, I came from uh, a world of sin, if you will. And, and uh, of course, those are lots of different types of addictions. And while you're, quote unquote, doing what you want to do, you're no longer doing what you want to do. Like, right. you, you it, actually, I think of Paul, right? Where he's like, why do I do the sin that I don't want to do? And I, I know the good thing, but I don't do that good thing, you right. know? And, and so this isn't something that's just for sinners. I mean, again, Paul it would say, I am a sinner. Right. <laughs> you know, all the saints, they they would say this, they would recognize that. But it is, again, in that humility, that realization, that then they're able to fully depend on God the Father so that they can be uh, undone, so to speak. The knots of their addictions can be undone, um, and they can truly be free. Because there's only one way to truly be free, and that's in, you know, full... Uh, accord with with Jesus Christ, right, right. Humble submission to as well. So I just want to. We're at time, but I want to just throw two things out. You mentioned something about like you take away one law, and think about all the effects it might have. And this we could do this as a special episode, perhaps. But what comes to me is humana vitae. Mm. Saint Paul the Sixth predicted if contraception yeah. is allowed, yeah, he has a a, a terrible paragraph where he literally predicts yep. everything that's happened. That's right. By that one thing. That's right. And people would say, it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. re I would challenge, like, if anyone's interested, yep. read Humana Vitae, read what he says. Yep. And he literally hits bullseye, one little thing, and all the effects that yep. came out from that. And the other thing is, you know, that we don't know everything is, I think of Our Lady, so to tie this back, mm -hmm. and this is keeping it Marian, is she didn't understand everything. Sure. Or did she pretend to? She had to grow, and she had to ponder. She had to think. And she didn't presume because there can be a pride in like, well, I know and I understand and I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to you know, say what's true or not. Yep. And it's hard to have the humility of saying, you know what, I don't know, but I'm going to walk by faith and I want to trust step by step. Sure. And that can be difficult, but it can also be so blessed, which is I call her the blessed mother, the, the happy mother. Right? Because when you remain in God's law, you remain in his love. And in a world where his love is so absent, even when so many things are uncertain, one thing does remain certain, which is his love. Right. And so if we remain in his will, like you said, with Jesus, even if everything else goes to hell in a handbasket, yeah. we remain in his love. Yeah. Just as she did. So thank you, Tim. I always enjoy these conversations. Indeed. Hopefully it's been enjoyable to you all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Keeping It Mary. And I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. We ask you to pray for us as we pray for you. Immaculata Virginis Maria Conceptio. Sit nobis salus et protectio. May the Virgin Mary's Immaculate Conception be our health and our protection.
Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to watch it as well. You can find the video version of Keeping It Marian exclusively on DivineMercyPlus.org, the streaming site for all things Marian. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Visit shopmercy.org to order your copy of my new book, Shining in Spotless Splendor, Consecration to the Immaculate Conception. Again, this book is available on shopmercy.org. God bless you.